Um, okay, well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the official Dream Dinner Party podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Ross Bullen. And I'm your host, Gary Almeter. And with us today is Talia Argandesi. Hi. So, hi, Talia. Is that right? Is that was, was that right, Talia? That's perfect. Perfect. Uh, all right. So, Talia is a, a writer, a comedy writer um, who teaches at uh, Sinus College and the Center for Writing and, and Speech. Um, Talia also has a PhD in early American literature, which makes two out of three of us on this podcast. Gary, I don't know what's wrong with you or, or why you're lacking, but there's been like a significant lack of talk of Washington Irving <laughs> or Charles Brockton Brown from you lately. So you got to step it up, man. It's, uh, it's important. I will, Ross, I, and I apologize to the listeners out there who um, join us for early American lit discourse and yeah. analysis. Yeah. We're, I'm going to talk about Hope Leslie the whole time. Okay, perfect. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's what we've been, that's what we've been lacking here. Um, Do you have like a specialty, Talia, or like a, a forte or a particular interest? Yeah. If you, My dissertation title was The Transnational Body. In early U.S. literature, uh, 1798 to 1846. So don't let anyone tell you I'm not a really fun yeah. and exciting person. I'll tell you what, though. I, as research for this podcast, I, I read your journal article about the Pitcairn Island and the, the bounty. The oh, survivors. I, didn't. I didn't know. It was, I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about the mutiny on the bounty. Haven't even seen the movie or whatever. So it was all new to me. And it was fascinating. It was really good. However, Thank what, you. I, what I really appreciated is that you began with a joke. You made fun of the title of the uh, the novel you were writing about. By saying, I? Yeah, you're like, despite this title, it was not a massive bestseller or a hit or, or something like that. It was like, <laughs> yeah, more, more journal articles need to begin with a joke. I've, I've never tried it myself. I should I should get it out there. Um, so Talia is also the author of the forthcoming book, Lean the Fuck Out. How to Aim Lower, Get Less Done, and Find Your Happiness. That's coming out November 7th. So, so listeners of the pod should run to the internet, hit that pre-order button, and, and check it out. Um, and anyone, anyone, anyone who's ever bought Lean In by, who is that? The Yahoo? Cheryl um, Sandberg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's ever bought Lean In has to buy Lean the Fuck Out. Just, you know, to, to get a balanced perspective. That's on the, yeah. that's the on leading. thing to do. Yes, yes. Um, so you got to hear both sides. Also, <laughs> I appreciate that you, I, I realized now that you were calling her the Yahoo CEO. I thought you were just calling her a Yahoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that Yahoo? That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> just how Gary talks, calls everybody a Yahoo. Lean in by that Yahoo, Cheryl Sandberg. Wait, tell you, where, where is her site? It's in Pennsylvania, right? It is in Pennsylvania. It's outside Philadelphia. Okay. It's a, it's a small liberal arts college. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like exactly what you would picture. It has like sloping hills and trees and stone buildings. I'm looking at some stone buildings right now out my window. Okay. Um, like when students, when students go out, like when they go to the clubs, <laughs> do they go to Philadelphia or is it like not a suburb of Philadelphia? It's like, are you a Philadelphian? It is a suburb of Philadelphia, okay. but we have, there's like one highway between where we live, which is uh, where the college is, which is called Collegeville. The town that's, that's where the college is, is Collegeville. Um, as if there weren't like 37 colleges in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Um, there's one highway between here and Philly. And so if you had a helicopter, you could get into Philly really quickly, but you can't, you know, most people don't. So nobody really goes. They, when they go to hang out, they go to the town where I live, which is the next town over. I moved to the cool bar town. Um, but is I never stay. Is it called Barville? Barville. Well, Margarita, Margaritaville, I believe, is the uh, um, town. Um, it's called Phoenixville. Um, which it was just in the news recently because there was a um, an escape murderer on the loose um, in our town, which was fun. Did they did they catch did they catch the murderer? They caught him yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, oh, they caught yeah. him yesterday, the day before the recording of this podcast. Just in time for you to invite him to your dream dinner party. I'm sure that's uh, <laughs> never the perfect, the perfect guest. Um, 
I was curious about, well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your, your book. Uh, obviously lean the fuck out is a play on lean in as, as Gary was saying, but um, can you tell us a little bit more about it? What, what's the, yeah. what's, what's the, what's the book all about and, and what kind of made you want to write it and yeah, what can people expect from it? Yeah, it is a satirical response to lean in. And it's not that, I mean, it doesn't spend all that much time directly talking about that book, which I actually, I mean, I did have to read in preparation for writing the book and I didn't love it, but um, I don't have like big particular beef. I'm not trying to start a fight, although it could be exciting if I was in like a, a public fight with Sheryl Sandberg. Yeah, especially like, after like an Eagles game or something, you know? Like, yeah. 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 To get a few yingling in me. Um, fight with Sheryl Sandberg. Um, it's not dur- it's more like a, you know, a diatribe against the lean in ethos. Um, so it's kind of the, the publisher will tell you it's a self-help book, um, which but that's ridiculous because I have actually no qualifications whatsoever to tell anything to anyone about how to live their lives um, other than being an English major. So I can help people like parse poetry, but um, not really tell them how to live. So the publisher wants to qualify it as a a self-help book, but it's really just a joke. It's just a book of jokes. Um, And all the jokes are about stop trying so hard. The base level is inspired to write the book because they like asked me to write it. (laughs) I I have the easiest easiestly gotten um, book contract in the history of the world because they found me through my humor writing and just said the world is ready for a anti-lean-in book and you seem like you would be good at writing that which is almost an insult maybe yeah I'm like, <laughs> it's a dream story with that one twist yeah yeah it's like we've read your writing and you seem like you're good at being bad at stuff um if so, only the self, if only the self sabotage section was just a little bit bigger. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's a self sabotage book. Yeah. So wait, what what piece prompted them to um, invite you to do this? Uh, I think I think something I wrote was called. Um, you can skip the first few seasons of your child's life because it doesn't really get good until season six. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and then also wrote something, uh, I think they really were basing this on um I wrote something that was called um Don't Ever Cross Me Because I Will Get My Revenge by Being Marginally Less Nice to You Next Time I See You. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great piece. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I thought those were the tone, that's the tone that they wanted. So it's all sort of oh, that's because I've noticed a lot of um you know, books that kind of begin with humor pieces also when they become a book also involve an element of like memoir or or essays or things that aren't mm-hmm. quite. So it, it doesn't have that component. It's it's just sort of a humorous pieces all the way through. Or, or did you kind of include some more, I don't know, personal or reflective stuff? or whatever? It, it has some anecdotes to help yeah. like yeah. get the point home to that you don't have to cook dinner every night. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's mo- it's it's more a satire of self help books than it is a memoir of any kind. Fantastic, sounds great. Um, and, and so that's November seventh, and and everybody can go. Who's the publisher? I, I can't recall off the top of my. It's um. Uh, it's a, it's it's under Macmillan. The imprint is called Castle Point Books. Okay, so yeah. everybody go go check it out, and everybody lean the fuck out. Um, and, and take Talia's advice for that. Um. So, you know, uh, maybe not self-sabotaging, but but not putting too much pressure on yourself. That's probably a good attitude. To, this is one of my uh, fabled uh, segues, Gary. Uh, that's a pretty good attitude to have for a dinner party where you can definitely let the stress get to you. Um, that was an amazing segue. Thank you. I, I would only that be was... a bit better if I didn't have to boast about it halfway through it. Um, <laughs> but... What, what is your what, what what is your your relationship with, with dinner parties these days or historically or whatever? Do you do you like them? Do you like hosting them? Like going to them? Where where are you at with that? Yes, I I was so excited to be on on this podcast because uh, I listen to it and it's really cool and fun. Um, yeah. But then I was like, a lot of times um, I think it's a stereotype that people have already been asked this question and have given it a lot of thought. And I feel like no one's ever asked me 
no. <laughs> my dream dinner guests are. So I didn't have any, I had never given any thought until I um, got the request from you. I feel like the conversation I hear more is like your desert island picks yes. for like this yeah. or that music mm-hmm. or books or whatever, which is something that I hate because it's like, I don't know, it's like uh, trying to put beloved objects into importance order. Um, yeah. But um, that then I also realized I've never had I've never had a dinner party. I've never <laughs> okay. hosted a dinner party. I thought that sounds insane, but listen, the the trajectory of my life has like not allowed dinner parties. I'll tell you, we didn't have dinner parties growing up, just not like a dinner party household. We weren't like, weren't like the company. My parents weren't like having parties a lot. No, They worked a lot, which was something that made me perfect to write this like satire against lean in because it's like, it's not that great to work all the time. No. Um, so no dinner parties growing up. <laughs> and um, then I went to college where parties, yes, but it's like disgusting. Kegs in your <laughs> basement, Doritos, if any food is given and really usually no food. Um, and then I went to grad school in New York where there's no space. There's no, there was no, I never had a table. <laughs> I mean, I never had a dining room table. I had coffee tables and end tables. Don't worry. In those Woody yeah. Allen movies, they always have tables. That's they so do. weird. Yeah. Yeah. They also. And there's the, the cute like Nora Ephron like yeah. way of like finding some like folding table on the curb and put it, you know, putting a sheet on it as your tablecloth. But we're never that cute. At least with grad school parties, you you kind of you get more than just the Doritos and the cat. Like it's a snack level party, at least like 12 different yeah. kinds of hummus and, you know, carrots or whatever. That's that's yeah. that, but that's it. It's not a dinner. I, I agree. Yeah. When, when going out to dinner, living in New York, it's like going out to dinner. People don't really like yeah. you can't have more than one or two people at your house for dinner. So no dinner parties. And then after. Then I started having kids. Yeah. And cool. um yeah. So if if anything counts as a dinner party, it's like people running around the backyard and we order pizza. Yeah. That's a dinner yeah. party now. But I remember or, like um, a cool fabled dinner party where it's like just the most interesting people I know and I just cook them a roast or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I've never had one. I think, you know, maybe dinner parties too, like, because then you're picturing like, you know, tablecloth, candles, all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. the number with three people, I mean, it's really just having people over for dinner which i guess everybody does but i like you when i have when that happens it's usually other people with young kids my kids age there's pizza there's chaos you know that's it yeah not, not, not I, I think i'm ready to, i think i'm just ready to like elevate my life by instead of having should we have instead of saying should we have people over for dinner next week i'll say should we have a dinner party there you go next yeah. week and then i'll should we so is it, is it all is it all semantics classy. like like your parents had no. like like they had company over. Did they ever have like, like a party or like a, a potluck supper or anything? Potluck supper. We would have. Like, you, there's like Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I, we had. Uh, we used to ha- have like Feast of the Seven Fishes on Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Like on the bear. That's sort of there's a dinner yeah. party of sorts. Like on the bear. Just like on the bear. Yeah. Exactly. Oh Anybody who's seen that that most stressful episode of television in history, the first five or ten minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just like my family growing up. And then I'm like, oh my wow. Perhaps not. Never mind. Yes. I'll take it back. That was that was some of like likely the 67 best minutes of television I've ever seen. It was so good. I had muscle aches the next day from just feeling from being tense. Well, and for, for me, that was, it was it was great. And it was also the episode where I could tell that the show had become really successful between the first and the second season, because all of a sudden they've got Jamie Lee Curtis, Bob Odenkirk, John Mulaney. Uh, I forget who the other um, Sarah, Sarah Paulson, Paulson. like everybody, yeah. every you, guest you, star just, you could imagine. You just listed. That's my that's it. That's my dream dinner party. Yeah, that was and we know how well join us next week, folks. All of her plat- yeah. yeah, we know how well it goes from there. Episode yeah, that, over. Yeah, that's good. That's actually this is good. This is dinner party related content that we're talking about here. The 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 bear, the seven fishes. Yeah. Um so wait a minute. So Talia, like 
All right, so I'm I'm strolling through the Ursinus College bookstore. And you know, I'm, I'm there to buy and you know, Ursinus Dad sweatshirt, you know, or um something like a mug or shot glass. And then it's like, oh, faculty books. So like will lean the fuck out be there? And if mm. so, like like will there be like what other books are there? I will say that uh, since my since I kind of took a left turn in my writing career from scholarly analyses of early American uh, books to humor <laughs> writing, the college has been very supportive. I don't I, it remains to be seen. I have about two months to find out if that support will extend to like prominently displaying a book that has the F word in the library. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Do you teach anything like humor related? Yeah. I taught humor writing last semester and it was so, it was so fun. I, I was like, I can't teach. I can't teach how to write humor. I put it in the course description, but I don't know. I put it in the course description don't take this class because I don't actually know how to teach humor writing and I'm not sure that it can be taught at all. Um, but still everybody signed up for it and it was full. Um, and I thought that actually I could teach, you know, humor writing more than I thought was more than I thought was literally possible. And it was just so fun. It was like, it was like twice a week, writer's room, sharing jokes, like testing out premises. It was like what you actually want your life to be like, but Great. None of us are college students, so we don't have time to just <laughs> sit around and talk humor writing all the time. It was so it was much fun. I guess kind of along the same lines as someone who I was like, there must be more of this, but as somebody else who's made the writing mostly about early American literature to, to humor writing transition, or at least partly. Um, I don't know. A, a lot of the stuff you write from from McSweeney's is sort of like academic satire as well. Like, for example, your recent introducing our university's new executive vice president of saving money, um, which people I, you know, Twitter mutuals are, have been sharing quite a bit recently. Um, <laughs> I, I write stuff in the similar vein. And you're always, do you feel like, I don't know, do you feel like that's something you're kind of worried about when you're working in academia and kind of satirizing it at the same time? Because I mean, I, I feel a little bit of that. I'm curious how you feel about it. Uh, well, I can say that every time I write a short humor piece, I'm like, well, that was a, I'll never have another idea again. Mm -hmm. I'm always just like my humor writing career is over. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll look back on this as a fun time in my life. You know, I, I just, I don't know where ideas come from or how to generate them. They're just like, you were just walking down the street and you think, Oh, that's a funny little thing that will could maybe turn into a thing. Um, so I always, I'm just constantly like, well, I'm going to do this interview for the podcast and they're going to feel weird because I'll never write anything again. Right. I just yeah. I just like don't have a lot of faith in myself as having a like continuous ideas come. So if one if, when I do get an idea, I'll I just take it. I yeah. just try not to worry about who is going to anger. No. Um, well, I mean, I, mean I, do, I do worry. I hesitated about the most recent one that I yeah. published because it was very directly like. But my college actually is really great. I mean, yeah. if you you can work in academia and hear enough stories to kind of amalgamate them into, um, I don't know, college humor without having to really directly um, having to really directly cut at your own institution. So that's oh, what exactly. I, I feel like I did. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see if I get fired. I can. I'm, I'm very. <laughs> that's always the I'm very, I'm very contingent. Yeah, no, uh, me too. Um, it's writing center, writing center directors aren't necessarily the like, we're not like statistics professors. Like nobody's like, well, if we fire Talia, we'll never find someone who can run our writing center. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know it too well. Um, okay. <laughs> now off this, while I'm recording this, while we're both at work, you know, uh, that's a, a terrifying thought. Um, Okay. This is prof- this is professional development, Ross. That's exactly right. This is networking, professional development. It's perfect. Um, okay, one more question about dinner parties before we get to your guests. Where do you, so for your dream dinner party, which is apparently a, a, a novel scenario for you, <laughs> um, where where's this taking place? 
Okay. After I Google what is a dinner party, I think I will settle on my own house. I love my house. I have I've, I have a cool dining. You know, after so many years like living in New York City and being a student, I and you know being broke, I I finally like have a di- I have a dining room now. Not to brag. No. Um, yeah. Sorry to show off so much. <laughs> Ooh, Miss but Fancy think... Bridges on the podcast <laughs> has a dining room. I have a dining room. <laughs> um, and I would be happy to invite my three guests to my own house. Fantastic. Okay. However, I, and I, I, I like cooking. Um, but the thing, I guess it's the words dinner party is a little intimidating. I have a little nerves about cooking for the dinner party so uh not to spoil anything but one of the guests is going to help with the menu oh that's oh. awesome interesting Very is that well. a big faux pas for a dinner party be like you can come to my oh. dinner party but you wow. have to cook all the food we have a purely exploitative dinner party policy <laughs> like if you, if you invite <laughs> a painter get them to paint a paint and whatever you know you can you can uh, you you can do this um like he or she comes in advance of the dinner party or yeah. he or she just submits, like does he or she determine the menu and come early to cook or. This person just, with me is going to mutually determine the menu and come to cook in advance. Okay. Gotcha. So it this, has, sense. this has to be your first guest then probably like the first person to arrive. Cause they've got to get there like earlier. It would, it would have to be the first person to arrive, but it's not the first person I'll reveal. Okay. Oh, perfect. I like it. All right. You've got to. Yeah. You've got, Aren't no, you excited good. now? I am. I am. I want. Okay. So you're at home. We'll, we'll put a bracket around the, 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 the cooking guest for now. Yeah. Doorbell rings. Who's there? Who's guest number one? Okay. So guest number one is the third person I'm going to talk about. But I just wanted to mention okay. that I thought about this so much. The dinner party um, guests. That I came up with so many different like ways to organize my thoughts about who the guest should be. Okay. And I, had th- and I came up with so many different people. Um, but then I thought the most honest thing to do would just be to say my instinctive answer, like the first three people I thought of. Um, and so that's what I ended up doing. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's probably the right way Wait, to do it. Are your kids there? Okay, uh, you should see the I, listeners. Sh- you should I'm see the look I just got. I know, shaking head, furrowing brow. I think there's some smoke coming out of your ears. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Sorry, Telly. I was just oh, asking. Okay. So I'm like pretty shy. <laughs> I, I guess think I think my first instinct for having dinner party was like I don't want to have a dinner party with these people. I don't even know. I'll just have my husband and my sister and my best friend. You know, um, these are like the most boring talk on on podcast that's not my actual answer yeah but i also i thought it w- one thing i thought of was wouldn't it be fun to invite people who have had all their diaries or journals published and oh. read their diary before they come <laughs> like posthumously and bring them as like by the way yes. you, you thought you you thought you got away with all this stuff samuel peeps here's your yeah. here's your journal yeah <laughs> Samuel Pepys. I thought I was like, I'll do Virginia Woolf, and then I'll be, I'll keep being like, so what do you think? What do you think of your friend George Jackson? And she'd be like, he's great, love George. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be like, mm, you don't think you never thought of him as like a dithering idiot or anything? <laughs> Virginia Woolf would be like, no, but how does she know my heart? Um, so I thought that would be fun, just catching yeah. people, people whose innermost thoughts I knew, just catching them in lies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I also thought about just this is like the nerd student in me. I thought like I should just invite the people who I've read the most books of. Yeah. And then I, you know, I'll seem really like erudite and they'll think like, wow, this person is both very well read and loves me so much. Um, so that would be Charles Brockton Brown, early American. Oh boy. Yeah. Gothic writer. And Herman Melville, who would be like, I yeah. don't know. Should I cranky and rude? Probably. And like James Baldwin, who I think would probably be a really good yeah. dinner party guest. You've improved things there. I, yeah. When we recorded our but, first episode, I, I I picked Herman Melville for pretty much the same reasoning. And then I realized yeah. as I was speaking, 
he was not like a pleasant guy to have dinner with probably, uh, at least from what you hear about his family life. Um, so I don't know, maybe he'd be nice. Maybe not. Who knows? Would you, I mean, let, would you let James Baldwin, would you let James Baldwin smoke in your house? Yeah. Mm. I would Watch let him it. do whatever. Like, yeah, he's, <laughs> you're in charge. In your Baldwin. fancy dining room. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, after he got over the amazement that I had a dining room, <laughs> then I would show him that I also have an ashtray. Yeah, he'd, yeah. He'd yeah. be like, he'd be like this lady. I mean, <laughs> this lady's going places. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually, I think having people who you read all their books might be like a little too much because you'd be like asking. I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be a good host. I'd just be asking them yeah. questions about their books and, they, and I don't know, they wouldn't want to answer them. Yeah. I, I, or they have forgotten that stuff a long, long time ago. So it's, it's possible. Um, and also okay. just, it might be good to assemble like, all, like the greatest minds to try and solve problems. I, th- I thought I also got like pretty, um, Oh yeah. I don't know. Altruistic about it. It's like, I have these powers. <laughs> I can I can bring back Einstein, I could bring back like Einstein and then also invite a current day physicist yeah. to explain to everything to him real quick and have him do some calculations and you know figure out what we don't know still. Yeah. Oh, coming coming from the author of the forthcoming book called Lean the Fuck Out, that's rather off-brand of you, you know, like <laughs> Let's invite a physicist. <laughs> Talia, why don't you just lean the fuck out on, on, on for your, your dream dinner party? Invite um, Polly Shore. Invite Polly Shore. Ooh, I didn't even think of him, but you're right. <laughs> um, All right. So the, do- the, doorbell, the doorbell rings. Okay, the first person I thought of when it was like your dream dinner party, this was like easy and i was like so cliche everybody's gonna say it because it's the actual literal best person for a dinner party objectively benjamin franklin okay just definitely definitely everyone should choose ben franklin as this yeah you are truly a philadelphian i know there you go so I, I think who else said I, we I think we've had one other Ben Franklin. I think it was Sam Lipsight actually also wanted Ooh. Ben Franklin to come uh, to, to his dream dinner party. Um, he'd, he'd, I'm both excited that Sam Lipsight agrees with me and also excited that only one. I was like, they'll probably say every guest so far I, I has, think, has I think mentioned that's the only Ben one. Franklin. You and Sam on the same page. Um, Benjamin Franklin is the first two words of my book. Lean the fuck out. There you go. Oh, All right. Very he, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, in the right mood, Ben Franklin could lean the fuck out or in. Either way, he's definitely, you know, that, can go yeah. two poles. So, That's so what how about, multifaceted he is. So, so what about, so obviously, you know, you know, lots of people from early American history and, and Franklin's like not an, you know, he's a well-known person, obviously. But but why, 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 why Franklin? Why, why is, why is he your choice? I mean, I agree he'd be very entertaining, but. Okay, so. He accomplished so much. He invented like a thousand things, but he also was an excellent writer and a publisher. The one of the my favorite humor writers. Um, actually, in humor writing class, I taught. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. This it's to me, it's like the first McSweeney's article, um, written by Ben Franklin, and it's like a a letter to a young person concerning his choice of mistress. Um, seeing blank faces, you haven't read it, so no, that's I my, haven't. I haven't. That's my humor writing recommendation. It's a list. He gives lists for why you should, um, why you should choose like an older lady um, for your for your as your partner. Seems and there, it's it's joke. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's both sincere advice and all jokes, which is yeah. brilliant. So Ben Franklin was like serious, brilliant person, but also hilarious. Yeah. And then he has a reputation for like being real good at a party. Yes. Um, he basically won the Revolutionary War by being charming to France. Um, I Hard That's somebody I that's want. That's a tall order. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's somebody I want at my at my dinner party. Plus, he had just like a great look. 
you know? Oh, yeah. Weird hair, weird glasses, really like the stockings. a lot of... A yeah. lot of buttons in the front. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a lot great. of ruffles. Yeah. Buttons, <laughs> ruffles. Whatever I think of, I always think of, um, there's, I don't know if anyone's seen it. There's an episode of The Office, I think one of the early ones, where there's like a, a Ben Franklin impersonator in The Office for some reason, played by Andy Daly. And he's just like trying to seduce Pam or something. Yes. It's <laughs> very I forgot, funny. I forgot about and uh, that's just, that's who Ben Franklin is for me now. It's just Andy Daly uh, kind of cosplaying him in The Office. But, uh, but, yeah, and, I mean, but like, I think that's part of it. It's like, he's a serious person. He like, he helped design this entire country and invented things. And he's like a big flirt. Like he's also just like a silly guy. I love that combination. Yeah. I mean, I serious not, and silly. I have not read his guide to, to picking a mistress, but I know he knows <laughs> what he's talking about. Like that is not exactly, he's, 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 he's in his wheelhouse there when he's talking about, you know, that and, so, yeah, he's he's definitely someone who can bring the party to a dinner party, which is probably not true of every, you know, like person from the 18th century. You could you could bring into the mix. Yeah, um, he'd be was, fun. Was, was Poor Richard's Almanac just like whatever Ben Franklin wrote or was it like an anthology? Like, what was it? I don't know. I yeah. think it was. <laughs> was that art? Was that thing um, guide to picking a mistress in Poor Richard's Almanac? No, it was a never published private letter. Oh, how'd you get Which it? is also amazing. Oh, well, it was, I mean, sorry, it's not never published. <laughs> oh, not published in his lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's like uh, Mark Twain has a, a speech on the science of onanism, which is to say masturbation, uh, that was <laughs> like delivered as a speech. It's very funny as well. Um, and just full of like every pun you can imagine. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, there's always stuff like that that comes up a little bit after somebody's no longer around to see it get published. Although now it doesn't matter. Um, no, now was, we're just publishing uh, articles that could get us fired right on McSweeney's that millions right of people read. McSweeney's.net where people get fired. Um, okay, so obviously you've got Franklin died in 1790s, so you know a long time ago. What do you think he'd be? And you're having a dinner party at your house in 2023. What would you be like most excited to show him about? I mean, your dining room, I know, but like, oh yeah, beyond that, what 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 what, what sort of the the big draw do you think? Um, the modern thing that would be most interesting to him. I mean, he invented um, bifocals, I believe. So mm -hmm. maybe I just. I just show him my contacts. Yeah. I just like pop one right out right in front yeah, of him. Yeah. He'd be like, what is that? He'd be so, he'd be so excited. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it's nice to, for him to have to skip the experiment phase of that. Like, you know, whoever invented, <laughs> like the history of contact lenses at some point involves someone poking glass into their eye or something, I'm sure. And so he'd have to like, yeah. doesn't have to get electrocuted or whatever while flying a kite, which I don't know if actually happened. Yeah. Or not, but still, you know, jump right to it. Yeah, that'd be impressive. Yeah. Okay. He'd enjoy that. Um, okay. So you've, you know, you've got someone who's probably good for conversation. That, that, that's good. You've got, there's lots to talk about there. Um, yeah. Okay. So you, Ben Franklin, the food situation, we're going to set that aside for now. Who's, who's coming next? Who's number two? My, my next quick answer right away that I didn't even have to think about that much, but I think that other, fewer people would like, and I bet um, Sam Lipsight probably didn't have Louisa May Alcott. All right. Um, no, he's oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's, that's like the, 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 like closest to my heart answer. I grew up reading little women, like as if it were the Bible, like it was just like, I would pick it up and open to a chapter and just read for comfort as like a kid. Um, Which is weird because in a lot of ways, like, I don't really agree with some of its like visions of woman, like womanhood are pretty right. 19th century. Yeah. Um, so it's weird that that was such a shaping text for me in my life, but it really was. And she's just like one of the people I don't even want to ask her any questions about like little women or her, her like writing or anything. I just want to like hang out with her. Just feel like we would really get along. Yeah. I feel like she, she's just a person who just gets it. And when people seem like they really got it and they live 150 years ago, I feel like that, I don't know, that's really cool. It's like a connection through time. 
Yeah, I would just love to talk to her. Are, um, is is Little Women, the book, separate and apart from all the Little Women movies? Or does do they each... Or do does every movie adaptation um, like kind of inform the book? Um, like every per, like every person who's ever read a book before seeing the movie, or I you mean, know, the Greta, book is Greta, better than the movie. <laughs> yeah, but Greta Gerwig did something really different with her Little Women, right? Uh huh. And what like what did she do different? And well. And did that change your understanding of the book? What movie adaptations usually do with, including Gerwig's, um, usually do with the book is that they they stay pretty faithful to what happens in the book. And then they sprinkle in biographical details about Louisa May Alcott. And it's part of a way, I think, to kind of make a more satisfying feminist ending because it can be like, that's when... She realized like the protagonist of Little Women's name is Joe, and she is like uh, at odds with her society because she doesn't feel like she can be contained within feminine norms and all these things. She wants to be a writer. So at the end of movies, they always make it like, and then she became a writer. Like, like she kind of like that character turns into Louisa May Alcott, um, which I do think is like a good and satisfying way to resolve the problems of the book is like she I don't want to spoil it but like she just gets married <laughs> and starts a school which is good. you know a, a highly feminist um like career but it is a career it's, it's not like totally just like then she learned how to be submissive but um it's not it's not as like uplifting for a modern audience yeah. It would be if it was like that's when she found fame in the world. Louisa May Alcott's like story is more satisfying from a feminist perspective than the the actual plot of Little Women. Gotcha. That's Does that answer your question. Oh, okay. sorry. No, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, you you said your initial you had the idea of like let's invite the people who you've read all their books, and then like you know Melville, CBB. Um, and then, you know, but who actually, was Louisa May? I, I get, I get the impulse. It's like, she might be more, more fun to actually talk to than having Charles Brockton Brown tell you about, you know, the yellow fever epidemic or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Ben and Louisa would get along pretty well. Uh, I both have a sort of like a bit of a rollicking, um, sensibility that, that would play well with each other. Yeah. I, I mean, the, you know, they, they, they live kind of far apart, but they're still, you know, uh, close, uh, they're closer to each other than you are to, to one of them or something. So I don't know, there's bound to be some, some kind of overlap there. Um, have you read like, yeah, of course, like I should, I should have a more sophisticated sense of, of like the differences, the very differences between their times because of my, what I've studied. Oh, I have no idea. But they like, yeah. I'm really just, they're both old, tiny people. Like yeah, exactly. they probably <laughs> have a lot in common. They both have holes. Yeah, they must. They must know each other. Yeah, of course. Of course. Have you read any other Louisa May Alcott books, or or is it just Little Women? Or I mean, I I haven't. So I'll... yeah, she wrote a sequel, Women, because Little Women was like a runaway success and made her mad cash. Um, but they, I don't think any of them are like considered as beloved as as little women um and then she wrote this sensationalist fiction that involves like explosions and murders and like and like hiding in back alleys and stuff like that just like really um melodramatic grim um yeah i mean those are fun books but you know sometimes it's history hasn't remembered them usually usually there's a reason for that i was uh i have like this uh Penguin edition of, um, you know, Herman Melville's Pierre, the book he wrote after Moby Dick. And the first thing the, uh, it's like an older intro. And the first thing the editor mm-hmm. says is like, if this novel wasn't written by the author of Moby Dick, nobody would read it today. And it's like, that's probably true. Okay. That that's, that that's, that's possible. Okay. So you've got, you know, two, you know, as a, as an early Americanist, you've got a couple of, uh, of on-brand choices there in, in Ben Franklin and, and Louisa May Alcott. Um, 
Did you use the same, like, yeah. just go with your, just go with your gut feeling for your third guest or what did you, did you think about it kind of differently? I did. I thought one second longer about the third guest than the first two, but not much longer than one second. So I wanted to leave, I wanted a third, I wanted to leave open the possibility that I could make and remain friends with a person through this magic of being able to call people to my dinner party. So I decided to pick someone who was like still alive. And that was, that was the one second of extra thinking. But then even after, after that, I immediately just settled on my third person. And this is someone, this is someone you'd want to be friends with. This is somebody yeah, this is someone like, I, hey, call I, me sometime. Yeah. I feel okay. like realistically we in real life. Okay. I should say though, I had a, I like how Ben Franklin is to me just the best dinner party guest that all people should invite. I also took a minute to think about how it's so cliche, but I bet that I bet nobody says it, but, and I'm not religious in any way whatsoever, but I actually think Jesus would probably be a really good dinner party guest too. It's like he, first of all, can change water into wine, supposedly. Already a good start. So, yeah, it's like you wouldn't have to worry about the wine. Although nobody, nobody, now that I think about it, nobody's ever like, he turned it into really good wine. No. no. It's always like, it was just wine. <laughs> no, right. further, yeah. no further comment on the wine. But like, he's good at telling stories. Sure. Right? There's all the parables or whatever. Yeah. Like, he could just come up with so many interesting anecdotes off the top of his head. And then also just as someone who's not religious, I think it would be really cool to spend some time with someone and just be like, what was the, what's the big deal? Like what, what yeah. taken in here? Yeah. Like when you go home, like when you go home, when you leave my, my, my dining, the sanctity of my dining room, like, where are you yeah. going? Like, like, like tell me. Right? Well, I just find out yeah. that like, he was just really hot. That's it. Like I've, I've seen yeah. pictures and uh, this is probably really blasphemous, but like on the crucifix, like he's pretty jacked. He like he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean it's 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 that's usually the style they yeah. go for. I mean that's uh that's good. To, only you can only tell with your own two eyes, I suppose. That's worth finding yeah, out. Yeah, it could be excited to like exciting to like break the news to the whole world that like the mystery of Jesus is solved and he was just really good looking. So everybody wanted to follow him. It's not as it's not as big yeah, deal as I mean, you're thinking. No, I mean, that actually makes it much more like a lot of sense, probably for the modern world. Yeah, you'd be like, he, today he'd just be an influencer on Instagram. That's it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, lots of followers, at least, you know, 12 or 13. Yeah. But the that I don't I didn't want to pick Jesus. So my real Not my Jesus. real third pick, my person that I think I could be friends with in real life and who will help with the menu is Deb Perlman. Oh, you know who okay. that is? I know the name, but I, I can't quite—I can't quite she, remember who that is. Yeah. She writes the Smitten Kitchen cookbooks and blogs. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And so, as I'm not religious, but like before we eat at my house, like we thank we thank Deb. Say like, thank you, Deb, for this meal. Yeah, <laughs> because it's the only cookbook. She has three cookbooks. They're all the ones that I use. They're all amazing, and she does. That, you know, I don't know if you've ever read like online recipes. She does like little header, say a little bit something about their lives and try to charm yeah. you. But it's actually helpful and not annoying the way most of them are. Like, usually yeah. they're like, oh, when I first met my husband, we went paddle boarding. And after that, we were so hungry. You know, it's just like, why are you telling me this? Yeah, it's yeah, awful. Yeah. She has this like little head note that just reveals a little something about herself that is charming and then tells you something helpful mm-hmm. about the recipe. And then there's a recipe. They're all amazing and they're all like reasonably easy. Uh, I think this is a way that I could conscript her into friendship with me because she'll get a, a she'll get a great book out of this whole situation. Cooking dinner oh, yeah. for Benjamin Franklin and Louisa May Alcott and, and esteemed satire writer Talia Argandesi. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Those are good. I have I have cooked some of those recipes before. They are good. You're 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 on there. I, I totally agree. Um 
And what? I, okay, so you you obviously eat her food all the time because you because you cook it. But you've got like so you've got two people, one from the 18th century, one from the 19th century. They're probably not eating like a lot of exciting foods just yeah. for reasons. Um, so what, what would you want to cook? They just eat them. Yeah, exactly. Or with wooden teeth or whatever. Uh, like what? What would you want, uh, Deb Perlman, with your assistance uh, to uh, to to cook for for Ben Franklin and Louisa May Alcott? Like, what do you think would really impress them? Which of her recipes, I suppose? I think that Deb and I would read some works by Benjamin Franklin, Louisa May Alcott, leading up to this. Oh, I just realized we can we should write the book t- together because I'm like. Americanist and a humor writer and she's a cookbook author. Oh my gosh, this friendship is gonna be so epic. <laughs> you guys are getting along great <laughs> yeah. um so there's a good amount of cooking for sure in the women. And I don't remember if he talks about what he eats in his autobi- autobiography, but he talks everything. So there's really some mentions of food. So we would maybe yeah. updates on the things they talk about in their books. Um, so we do some like research. I think she's re- she's really good at stuff like that. Like be like, I read this fee, but then I made this and that change. Be updated versions of what they had already eaten. Plus, maybe just like Italian yeah, food. I mean, I mean, that's easy to impress people who yeah. had Italian food before. It's like so. Yeah, like and a, and a like a, and a good like minestrone would be the most exotic thing Ben Franklin's ever had. You know that would be <laughs> any anything. He's had no exposure to this kind of stuff, so you you can win him over with with some 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 you know uh, more common stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything in his. I mean, I know he wanted. Didn't he suggest that the turkey should be the national bird or something? So maybe he's excited about turkeys. I don't know. It could be interesting. Yeah. Um, that was like a half half so, a joke suggestion, which yeah, again, oh, just that? goes to like I've never looked I've never looked into it at all. Yeah, okay. Well, that's like Ben yeah, Franklin's brilliance. Like yeah. he can be really funny, but he also is kind of making a point. It's the same thing with the with the mistress yeah. um, letter that he wrote his friend. Yeah, so you do see a lot of turkeys. Yeah, so they're they are kind of, they're you know, they're North American. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay, so. So in addition to the the food the food situation, um, obviously like Deb Perlman's a, a guest at your your dinner as well. Yeah, you're kind of eyeing your friendship here. I support this. I support this move. Um, what else would you want to talk to uh, her about? Like, what else would you be interested in discussing with with Deb Perlman? I'm curious about. Um, so she lives in New York, and that's like an alternate life for me because I I live for ten for. Um, but it seems to me like hard to live there uh, as an adult with, with children and, you know, I don't know, it's really uh, expensive and crowded and dirty and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I would want to like ask her about her, just about her life and her family and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh as you were saying, it's a difficult place to have a, to have a, a dinner party. Um, that was, yeah. I mean, that's sort of uh, I live in Toronto, which is not like New York exactly in terms of space. People have, people have enough room for dinner parties, but nobody has a dining room. I'll put it yeah. that way. So you're, 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 you're a step up on us. Oh, Toronto um, is also yeah, it's, canonically it's, like crowded and expensive. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not New York, but um, it's, uh, it's not, it's not, margaritaville uh pennsylvania either so it's it's, it's, it's getting <laughs> off the hair um, i forget the actual name so i'm sticking with margaritaville uh but uh, like but, but but yeah okay it's, yeah that's good um you know what music do you play do you, do oh, you yeah. think um, music or um you know is that like would you want like a summertime vibey thing or is this more like a hey let's Let's start a fire and drink mold mold wine. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about the music. Well, husband and I like make playlists based on who's coming over. Um, oh, wait a minute. Wait, yeah. that's huge. 
Like that's some next level. Oh yeah. Have a lot of parties actually. <laughs> like if you look on my, um, I won't say what, what evil music sharing service I use, but if you look on my evil music sharing service app, it's like, what do you better mix? <laughs> People are sitting on the deck mm-hmm. mix. Oh, my parents awesome. and brother are over mix. Like, so that's what we usually yeah. do. Um, you should make, you should make a Ben, Ben Louise yes. and Deb are coming over. Oh there. man. I might just do this anyway. Does, does yeah, this do podcast. That's, that's your homework. Does that's this homework. podcast confer the power of making this happen? By I think, so. well, I, I, we will, well, we've yet to see. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that, if Ben Franklin is reincarnated, he shows up. But the playlist you can make anyway. We can, uh, we can, we can, we can listen to that. Um, I can't imagine what kind of music Ben Franklin is accustomed to, like harpsichords or body <laughs> tavern songs or something. So th- there has to be something like that in there, I guess. But you'd have to put "It's All About the Benjamins" by Diddy. Oh yeah, obviously. And the Benjamin would be like, "Is this about me?" Like, why, yes, Benjamin Franklin, it is about you. Okay, well, thank you, Talia, very much for joining us and for telling us about your dream dinner party guests. It's a great lineup of, of Ben Franklin, Louisa May Alcott, Deb Perlman. Sounds like a, and the playlist already sounds fantastic. Gary's, you both got off to great suggestions <laughs> here. We've, we've got to make this thing happen on Spotify uh, and get it out there. Lure. <laughs> Ben Franklin out of the ether just by these songs paying tribute to him. Um, and everybody should uh, check out Talia's new book, Lean the Fuck Out, coming out in November. Um, so so check it out. Pre-order if you can. Talia, thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much for having me. Thank I you, feel Talia. like I could talk to you all day, but I guess I have to go out, do my actual job. <laughs> yeah, my terrible <laughs> Canadian internet says no. Let's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not allowing it to happen. And uh, yeah, back to work tragically. Um, Thanks so much. Good luck with the book. It was a pleasure to to meet you and, and talk Thank to you. Thank you here. so much was, to both of you again to like be the guests on the podcast of two hilarious humor writers that I already loved. So this is a dream. This is a oh, dream. Thank you. Well, the, the honor was ours. Oh, was there we go. Table. Yes. Yes. Nice. No, no. We're, we're the lucky ones. Yes. And thank you everyone for listening. Um, this has been the official Dream Dinner Party podcast. The official Dream Dinner Party podcast is hosted by Gary Almeter and Ross Bullen. Terry Bullen produces the podcast. Our theme music is Cruzero by Eaters. If you want to support the show, like, subscribe, leave a review, or share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.